Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Kate Fry on the show. Kate, welcome to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off the podcast with a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. <laughs> That's a big description, John. That's a big ask. Uh, so yeah, Ms. Kat, I am the owner and founder of Oxygen Coaching Group, and uh, we are a group of coaches and trainers that help businesses that are in some kind of flux. So that means a bunch of different things for different companies. Sometimes that means that they're growing like crazy and they just need a little bit of assistance to not outgrow themselves. Sometimes they're shrinking and they're not sure they need somebody to intervene that's not emotionally attached to their business. Sometimes they are in generational transition or they've decided that they want new things. There's all kinds of reasons why your business is making a change. So uh, that's typically where we come in. We got started because I had come out of a training company that wasn't really listening to its customers. And I had taken some of their clients under my wing while I was working for them. And they really liked the way I was approaching business and some of the history that I had had in my own entrepreneurial journey. And that just wasn't flying real well. So I decided to step away rather than cause any more controversy. I caused enough controversy in life. So I uh, started my own company that was at the time what we called Oxygen Equestrian. And we were teaching body language to executives through horses. And it was great. We loved it. And uh, as it grow, grew and got bigger, I just couldn't expand it. I couldn't make it any bigger because you had to come see me and work with the horses. So prior to the pandemic, we went to a virtual training facility. Somebody was watching out for me. Uh, and then enter March of 2020. And then all things took off from so now we've got all kinds of new things growing and thriving. Well, that's interesting, right? Cause you mentioned the whole, you know, the, the training with horses and stuff that that's fascinating. What was the concept behind that? And how did you come up with that? Yeah. So one of the things that we see very often in our owners and executives is that we don't take a lot of time to understand how our body language is affecting some of the people in our lives, maybe personally or professionally, and even things like how we sit in our chairs or our, the way we negotiate. And body language has a lot to do with that. We've, we've all heard the basics. You know, you shouldn't stand in a negotiation with your arms crossed. It makes you feel unapproachable. Or if you're fighting with your spouse, you know, standing with your back to them probably isn't the best way to effectively communicate. But there's actually a lot more to it. And I've been riding horses since I was three years old and we ride much faster horses now, my daughter and I do. And it was just kind of a really great melding of the two things that I really enjoyed, business and horses. And I needed some time to kind of get out of corporate America and spend some time outside. And I knew that some of the people I was working with also needed that. So that's where we started. And the reviews were just amazing. I personally love to spend time with an 1100 pound animal who is gentle and everybody needs a little horse hair in life, in my opinion. But what we were able to do was take someone who didn't necessarily realize that they were as closed off as they were and magnified their body language with the way the horse reacts around them. And what we don't believe when someone says it to us, the horse was able to show it to them and prove to them. And it's a very impactful moment when you see those realizations happen in someone. 
Yeah, I'm curious how, how they, uh, you know, like you said, the horse shows it to you, but how yeah. how does that work out? I mean, and, and there must have been some resistance somewhere. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. and I don't mean resistance as in people don't want to do it or whatever. Maybe, uh, look, I mean, I, I love horses from a distance. If I got next to one, I might be a little bit more intimidated. Yeah, so there's some of that as well. There's a, there's a need for kind of a go. You know, there's a trust factor. We've all seen the the managers who have a very uh, go and do mentality versus a let's go and a very uh, collaborative mentality. That's another one, right? Like, do, do you have a willingness to try something new? Do you have a willingness to reach beyond fear and, um, and embrace change? These are all very business concepts that we talk about but how do you get into a vulnerable state and try them when we put you in a different environment and for leaders and executives what it is is emotional intelligence and we spend a lot of time talking about that both uh in the equestrian space when it was oxygen equestrian but also here at oxygen coaching because for successful executives owners you c-suite once you've reached a level of success it's the emotional intelligence that's going to take you to that next level. We don't need to teach you the concepts that got you to 2 million, 3 million, 10 million. Obviously, you've kind of got that figured out. We appreciate that because, you know, in all fairness, that's what allows you to come here and invest in your team and pay for training and things like that. What we're talking is the next level. What we're talking about are the pieces that maybe give you time to spend with your kids and your spouse and have a successful business or grow your team from two to five salespeople from five to 10 salespeople. And that's your ability to have emotional intelligence. That's your ability to step into a pen with an 1100 pound animal that might be a little bit dirty and be brave enough to say, okay, let's try something new. There's a lot of parallels between the two. Right. I'm going to ask, uh, you know, something because you're bringing up uh, emotional intelligence a lot. Sure. So I'm going to ask you the question I've been thinking about it now. And again, this could be perspective. Now, do you really believe like is emotional intelligence something that uh, people are just born with and have, or is it something that people can develop? I absolutely believe that it's like a muscle and it will grow and it will atrophy. I think that it's a, we have a, a woman who coached with us for a long time and she's a dear friend of mine. She says practice makes progress. And I think that it's not practice makes perfect. It's practice makes progress. She nailed it when she said that to me for the first time. And I give her as much credit as I can and repeat it as often. If you, if you're going through something in life that is hard to you know, keep your head up through. If you're going through raising kids and, you know, maybe even a struggle with your parents or your your relationship is struggling or whatever, it's hard to be emotionally intelligent. It's hard to be empathetic towards another person and all of those things. So your emotional intelligence might atrophy a little bit in those moments because it's hard to even take care of yourself. But if you are consciously doing certain tasks that really boost that piece or you have a goal in mind that helps you gain emotional intelligence. It's like going to the gym every day. Sometimes I'm really great at it. Sometimes I'm really bad at it and I've eaten a lot of chocolate cake and I really should be going. So I think it's one of those pieces where it's it's like a muscle and it will atrophy and it will grow. In all fairness, it's a lot like our own actual intelligence, our IQ versus our EQ. If you're reading a lot of books, um, trashy rants or, you know, really mathematics, calculus, things like that. 
it's also going to grow and it will also shrink. Yeah. You know, a lot of people focus on IQ and they put a lot of weight behind IQ. And I find that means at the same time, they're ignoring the EQ. And I think it's equally important to develop your EQ as it is your IQ. Yeah. Because you could be the smartest person in terms of book smart in the room, but if you don't know how to interact or how to get through to someone, it's going to bring no relevant value. Yeah. And I think that that is a part of where you become competitive in the marketplace when it comes to your business. If you think that your business can only be focused on intellect and not emotionally building a business, then you will lose your place in the market when it comes to employing others. I mean, maybe if you just want to have, you know, you and only you and be a solopreneur, which is perfectly okay. And there's tons of people that are successful like that. However, we sell on an emotional level, we employ on an emotional level, we buy on an emotional level. So in my opinion, it's somewhat short sighted to ignore it. Absolutely. So now again, we didn't all just wake up one day and know this, you know, we had, we yeah. took a journey to get there. Life, life changes and things constantly develop. Some people grow, some people don't, some people actually, you know, do a decline and are actually worse off 10 years later than they were 10 years before. And now there's different environments and, you know, reasons for that to happen. Now, some people don't realize they're not growing like the term. If you don't know you're in jail, how do you get out? Yeah. And so it's one of those things like, at what, what point, like, what was the main ingredient, the key factor that gave you the drive to get to where you are today? Because a lot of times we can just be comfortable in our surroundings and just getting where we are, we can be comfortable and it's easy to let that slip and whether it's conscious or not. Yeah, I think that I tend to be the type of person who's constantly trying to close a gap. I don't... I think that it's, I'm a problem solver by nature. So that just seems to be something that I was either blessed with or cursed with. I guess it depends on your perspective. Um, when I started Oxygen, obviously I was leaving an organization that didn't seem to be a fit. I wanted it to be, you know, I went to that organization hoping that it was going to be a better work-life balance if that's actually a thing. And my kids were teenagers and it was just the point in life where I was looking for change, but this tended to be where I found a better balance, not equal, but balance. Even now though, in owning an organization where we thrive is helping other organizations close a gap. You know, we're constantly looking for how we can help an organization or an industry find a gap, close a gap, find a gap, close a gap. So I tend to just be a problem solver. My children are probably pretty thankful that I'm a problem solver. I'm not really sure, although they tend to be also. So I think if you come up with that type of, uh, I guess, awareness in life, it never will serve you poorly. Um, I think maybe if I've learned anything in life, it's just to maybe take care of myself too in the process so that I'm not just overly solving other people's problems. But that's kind of how I got where I am. I'm just, a, I'm a problem solver by nature. Right. Now you said the key word there, taking care of yourself. A lot of yeah. times we neglect that and don't realize that. And some people get it when they are pretty much burnt out or feel, you know, suffer from burnout. Yeah. Like, did you realize that right from the beginning? Like, or is it something that you learned and how did that come about? Um, no, I'm Irish. So I not only love potatoes, but I also am incredibly, incredibly stubborn. So no, I did not learn that on my own. I needed um, health intervention. I needed a good, healthy divorce. I needed, you know, all the unhealthy coping mechanisms. Um, no, 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 no. You know, I think that 
I say this, I heard this great quote, and so I repeat it as often as I can now, you're best served to help the person you used to be. And nothing about the journey that I am on and have been on is clean or uh, pretty or anything along those lines. But I don't know a whole lot of entrepreneurs who, who will tell you that. You know, I've bootstrapped this. I There's lots of collateral damage. Like I said, I have an ex-husband. I've been a single mom for a long time. My kids um, have watched me build businesses. So I think that in that process, you decide, hey, I don't want to be exhausted anymore. Hey, I don't want to work for somebody else and miss my daughter's music concert anymore. Hey, I don't want to be the one who's constantly saying, hey, my parents had to take my kids to the soccer game and I missed it again. So in that process, you decide what you're willing to give up and what you're not willing to give up. And all joking aside, I did. I ended up in the hospital with a horrendous three-day migraine that they had given me a bunch of meds for. And that's when I really kind of put my foot down and said, okay, I can do this better. Yeah. Now you brought up another point here, right? Like indirectly, you told us your why. Right. Like, like, you know what I mean? And, and I think that everything great only comes about when you discover what that why is first. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think for some people, you know, it's a, it's a moving target. Maybe it changes, you know, along the trajectory. Absolutely. My kids are grown up now and have their own, their own trajectory that they're on. While if they called right the second, we would probably be on pause so that I could make sure that nothing tragic had happened. Cause I'm, I'm always a mom first, but you know, now there's, there's other pieces that are important and you know, my grand dog probably gets more focused than even my kids. But, um, I think that there's always going to be, again, I'm willing to pivot and I'm constantly closing a gap or a problem. And, and right now business is fun. I, I actually enjoy it. Absolutely. Now you're right. Like your why's always change because life change. It's called progression. Yeah. yeah. So um, now you came up with the name Oxygen Coaching Group. Why Oxygen? Like where did that come from? So to start with, my son was uh, very a very difficult child. God love him. Uh, so my son has very very bad asthma, and uh, he spent quite a bit of time in a situation where just getting enough oxygen to breathe was an issue. And so you learn very, very quickly that when you don't have air to breathe, nothing else matters. And then as you continue to kind of go through life, you realize that sometimes the power of a deep breath saves a lot of things from happening, you know? So maybe if you just take a deep breath, you won't say the thing you shouldn't say. Or, you know, if you just take a deep breath in a moment when you're frustrated, it'll clear up what the true answer could be. And there's always been this very clear line of the power of fresh air and oxygen in my life. When things are really getting bad and, uh, you know, I, I really couldn't see the forest through the trees, I turn to yoga and if anybody is a yoga practice in, in a yoga practice they understand that really you could go to a yoga studio and just lay there on the mat and breathe and they'll tell they tell you that you've been to a successful class. And so when I look at businesses now when you've had a huge win what do I tell you? I tell you that you know what you should soak it up and take a deep breath cuz all that hard work it, you're in that moment you're winning and sometimes we forget that you have done all this really hard work and you need to remember that you won in that moment. Um, I have a client now that tells me that the 
the money and the profit that he makes is really just the oxygen in the wheel so that he can do the next great thing. And I love that analogy. It's just making the wheel bigger so that they can, it's not buying his next Ferrari. It's making the wheel a little bit bigger so that his team can have training or his team can have another event. And when you start to think about all the places where you just need the expansion, like your lungs, it really gives you a little bit of pause and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. That oxygen, it really is important. And so it's really been kind of more meaningful than I think it was when I named it. Right. Makes sense. Now <laughs> that makes total sense. I love that. <laughs> now going forward, right? Like, like let's let, like maybe get into, you know, how your uh, business has grown, right? Cause I mean, maybe I'm assuming you started off like most people start off with, uh, with the idea you started off yourself and then eventually grew and added team members. Yeah. So we did, we are constantly growing. Like I said, I love business as a, as an art for me. And so one of the things that we do really well here is we have our core curriculum of classes that I think everybody desires at some point and kind of needs those foundational pieces. But we pride ourselves on not being business out of a book. We are business in the trenches. And so when companies are coming to us and in our communities, we're listening to the conversations that are being had, we're developing in the background relevant curriculum that companies really need. So we're constantly changing and adjusting. When we first got started, we had a ton of companies telling us, well, we don't we do not do LinkedIn well. I never thought I'd teach classes on LinkedIn, but I teach a lot of classes on LinkedIn because it seems to be everybody's kryptonite. You know, they're just not quite sure how to make it great. So, you know, we do a lot of that. We also happen to be the uh, creators of Bliss. Bliss is the optimal rate of pay app that is literally changing companies' landscape and how they hire. It's making companies premium employers all over industries. Uh, so it allows them to come up with an optimal rate of pay and know where and when they really should be training their managers and really understanding their true cost to hire and where they can invest so that it's not based on prevailing wage or minimum wage or industry standard. And we're really changing the landscape of companies that really aren't even training with us, but are just available out uh, anywhere in the universe. So when we look at how we grow and how we influence uh, really business as a whole, that's how we expand. And my coaches and trainers that are working with me are all out doing that same work and figuring out how we can help and influence companies every day. Right. Now you mentioned LinkedIn a lot. A lot of people don't know that. Now, why is that important? I mean, like, to me, I you know, I'm going to pretend I'm stupid and I don't know the changes in LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, and because some people don't, right? LinkedIn is typically known as the job site. So why is uh, mastering LinkedIn so important? Yeah. So LinkedIn, when I, so I tell people I did LinkedIn when LinkedIn wasn't cool and it really was just a resume holder type of concept when it first came out, but now it's full of algorithms and it allows organizations to hunt and find on a B2B level. So it's really allowing companies to convert sales. It's allowing you to find your next level of talent. It's allowing you to collaborate and it's full of tools and abilities if you are 
under the impression that it was just for your resume. It can be really a portfolio of your work, which is a huge, ad I'm a huge advocate of really kind of maintaining a digital portfolio of your work, but then also how you're running your business, how you're hunting, uh, how you're collaborating with others all over the world. Welcome to 2023, like Zoom is now cool. And um, really how you have an online presence. I like to liken it along the lines of you used to have to have a website to be considered real. Now, if you don't have a LinkedIn page, you kind of are up, up the same stream and you should be maintaining those uh, handles as well. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, based on our conversation, I'm going to get rid of my website. I'm going to focus just on LinkedIn. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't miss here. Don't miss here. You should have both. Both and. Both and. <laughs> Um, I'm going to touch upon bliss a little bit more, right? Because I didn't uh, realize that some of the things you mentioned were even a problem. And I guess, yeah, because you know what? You're going into salary with things. I mean, I would assume if somebody's looking at average salaries, it's, uh, look, let, let's be honest. An employer's goal is to pay as little as possible. An employee's goal is to get as much as possible. So it's uh, almost like a, cat, like a cat and mouse, like a Tom and Jerry uh, effect here. But also at the same time, people want, most people, I mean, there's always, you know, like in real estate, you know, there's landlords that we call scum lords. And I mean, in the business world, there's going to be those uh, scum buckets too, right? But let's go with the majority of people. I mean, and the majority of the people really want what's fair. Yeah. And, and with that being said, people can look up, you know, look up at on averages on uh, Google or they can ask other companies or just sometimes just asking what they got paid in the past gives you an indication of where they were at. Um, how do you differentiate from that? Because I'm going to assume that your process makes it a little bit more accurate and more realistic. Yeah. So I think the word I'm going to pull out there is accurate. One of the things about the process up until now has been the lack of actual facts. And what Bliss does is it comes in and it gives you hard numbers about what your company is producing. And up until now, there really isn't someone in most organizations that has the acumen to understand the overall cost. What we see a lot of times is HR is handling this function and HR has, you know, a good sense of per role what some of the factors are that influence the cost to hire of a specific role. But what Bliss does is it takes an overall approach in all of the things that affect it. What happens is it actually takes a, a stance that will measure culture because we're taking a look at overtime, we're taking a look at some of the other factors of vacancy in the role when it's not filled, how many offers are made, um, and what happens when the new hire does not break even. So sometimes we see companies that the employee doesn't show up at all, or the employee only makes it eight hours, or maybe the employees made it 60 days, but your probation is 90 and the manager makes a hasty decision and terminates the employee early. So again, that's that educational piece about what the actual break-even date is per role. So there's a lot of information that gives the hiring team a lot of decision-making authority and allows us to know when to come in and train or maybe another company, maybe you're using another training company and they're making a very educated decision. 
it also allows you to increase your hiring pool. So this is another really big one that we see. Like you mentioned, there's there's a weird dichotomy there that you know you don't necessarily want to pay more but they want to get more. That dichotomy sometimes sounds like, well, we'll pay a current employee 25 cents more, but we'll pay a new person $2 more. But that $2 more we have to train for, we have the risk that they might not show up, you know? So where do we find the, the median that makes it that people want to come and apply so that we know we have good hires, we know that we have people to choose from rather than hiring everybody that fills out a set of, an application. You got a point that I want to touch upon that, right? I was writing notes there and, you know, with the new employees, like this is, this seems to be a trend here going on. And I'm going to touch upon the retention aspect here because you, employees are leaving companies. Like prime example, you have a, a company at uh, somebody working at ABC and um, they're making $60,000 a year. Now they're not happy there. They're waiting for a raise. They get the raise and their uh, $60,000 a year becomes $61,000 a year. And what ends up happening is they just look over at company DEF and DEF offers them 70,000. So they jump ship. Now where I'm going with this is now sometimes what happens is that same company that just let that person go over that nine grand ends up struggling to find somebody to replace that person. So they end up paying the new person 70 grand, which would have been the same damn thing. But the person sitting next to him is still getting paid the 61. And that could cause some sort of friction. So how do you know, like, how do you balance that? And, and how do you justify paying the new guy more than the old guy? I mean, like the old school ways of shh, don't tell anyone really doesn't work. I mean, one okay. is they blob amongst each other's and these days things are end up being public somewhere along the line and you can kind of see it anyways. So things have changed and it's like, how do you, how do you not lose other employees to gain the new employee? Yeah. So this is where I mentioned earlier, we're actually able to to raise your culture. We're actually able to measure where your culture is at because if your hiring costs are going through the roof and the amount of days that it takes to break even are getting further and further out, what's happening is your retention is dropping. Okay. So if your retention used to be five years or 10 years, or you had those lengthy, you know, 30 year employees, by the way, that's a little bit of generation, but um, we can actually tell you that inside your company, you can afford to pay this role. So hear me very clearly. We're not talking about everybody on your floor or everybody in your organization. We run it by role. Um, this role optimally gets paid based on your finances, this rate. And sometimes people are shocked. You know, we've got a couple of figures where we, as we walk you through the process, we tell you, okay, we want you to guess what the number is. Then we run the calculations and we see how far off you are in actuality. They're all dynamic calculators. We actually give you the first one for free so that you can see we're not, we're not, you know, pulling any wool over anybody's eyes. You can see the numbers calculate on the run. Um, and so that you understand that what your perception is and what the reality is of your productivity and what you can afford are two very different things. And it's really about educating you as the person in charge of hiring, or maybe even the owner, that there are strategic moves to be made. Um, I'm a Lean Six Sigma uh, advocate, and we we run a lot of, um, we run some EOS 
thought processes here. We've got a couple of EOS partners, but the combination of all of these programs together gives you some very powerful tools and a, and a thought process. You know, I'm an engineer by trade. I have my babies, but I spent a lot of time in an engineer floor. My ex-husband and I owned an engineering house. There is very strategic numbers-based criteria that you can have. And again, you don't have to be a contracted uh, customer of mine. We will give it to you, let you soak it in. You can have it, all of the left brain people out there and individuals. And then, excuse me, if you're not a left hand, left brain person, we also have the opportunity for you to consult with us and, and let us help you work through the numbers so that you really do have an understanding. As a business owner, I never feel less empowered when I'm uneducated about something. You know, I have a great accountant. If I don't understand it, he has to sit there and explain it to me until I do understand. And then I feel like I can make an educated decision. And I think more than all of the information we give, we give you information so that you as an owner of your organization can then move forward with a strategic plan. Makes total sense. Love that. Now I'm going to touch upon something here and uh, it's going to be uh, something I thought of before and I kind of didn't think it was important. So I kind of left it till now. Okay. <laughs> anyway. A lot of times people uh, get into business and entrepreneurship because they think that I'm just fed up of my regular nine to five. I don't feel appreciated, yada, 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 whatever excuse they can come up to really not do their nine to five. Now they have this uh, concept that they want to do their own thing because they're going to work less hours, which is really a myth. And where I'm going with this is, and why I'm bringing it up is because you mentioned that pretty much your entrepreneurship journey cost you your marriage. Yeah, yeah. Right. And yeah. um, so I wanted you to get into the the reality of entrepreneurship and why, like what still drove you beyond that, even though it cost you your marriage. Like, obviously, you, you probably saw the signs coming. It wasn't that you woke up one day. What, wait a minute. Yeah. We're not happy. <laughs> wow. Right. Like yeah. It didn't happen. You see it. Friction comes and it usually comes with what you're doing day to day. Yeah. So I, I think I coach a lot of people who I, most, most entrepreneurs will tell you that if they have had a failed marriage in their past, their business definitely didn't help the fact that they were, they had a failed marriage. And, and we did, we, uh, we had two small children, obviously one that wasn't in the best of health. We were running a, a, a business together and it, it's, it's a draw on every level of your life. There is no part of here, let me own a business so I can work less hours. It 100% does not work that way. I was talking to somebody about it uh, maybe last week and I said, yeah, absolutely. It allowed me to get to the soccer games I didn't wanna miss anymore, but I just swapped that hour for an hour after bedtime. It wasn't, um, it was my choice. It was no longer somebody else at, you know, a Fortune 500 company anymore. And I think that it's it's the stress, it's the pull, it's the you know up sleepless nights, and it's the you're the last one to get paid, and it's all of the components. So, you know, if that's a thought process that you want to be in, then you should talk to somebody ahead of you who's a little bit further down the path. Um, one of the things that I always tell anyone tough, faced with a tough decision is you never face judgment from someone who's further down the path than you are. So be cautious who you take judgment from. And that could be getting a divorce. It could be starting a business. It could be moving away to go to college. It could be getting married. It could be any big decision, you know, going to your girlfriends and saying, hey, by the way, this, I should you know, I want to get married and none of them are married. They might go, oh, girl, don't do that. You know, um, so you just need to be going into the the journey of entrepreneurship 
eyes wide open, not with your head in the clouds, because it does, it costs a lot of people a lot of really important things to them. And the collateral damage is real. Absolutely. Going to, uh, to your kids and stuff. And here, here's where I was going to go with it, right? Because it's another part of that is that um, when you're doing, you know, getting into business and you have clientele and all that, um, a lot of times, I don't want to say your kids get in the way, but there's a lot of things happening. And sometimes you can have two deadlines. How do you manage that? Because it's not like you can afford to turn around all the time and say, ah, screw the customer. I'm going to go with my kids and do this. How do you decide what takes priority? Because let's be honest, if uh, somebody wants, uh, like if your kids want something done at six o'clock, but it can be done at seven o'clock and your client project is due at 630, more than likely the client project will get done, right? I mean, like everyone judges that differently. Yeah, exactly. And I think a lot of it has to do with the type of business you're in as well. You know, the the type of business that we all get to do today in 2023 is much different than when my kiddos were little. When my kiddos were little, we didn't have Zoom. We didn't have Wi-Fi on our, you know, like I carried a BlackBerry and I thought I was the bomb. (laughs) A BlackBerry isn't even a thing, right? That wasn't, you couldn't even access the internet from the t-ball field. If I had to sit at a t-ball field right now, you know, my computer, my iPhone, I'd be be doing email and working at the t-ball field. So it's a totally different expectation. And I think that how you show up and when you show up has a lot more options. But I also think that, my kids are so i think there's two things to this i think my kids are have been given a great perspective of what it's like to be a part of growing a business because my ex-husband continued on with his as well and so i think there's some really great lessons in the fact that you know my children stand on their feet, shake hands well, they look you in the eye, they understand what it's like to sit at the desk with mom and they sit at the desk with dad. My son is a fantastic uh, mechanic and you know my ex-husband was great in teaching him that and he has a, a really well-rounded mechanic's brain because of that. He did not get that from me. Um, so there's some really great advantages to modeling that behavior for your kids and allowing them to see that type of model. So I think that there's that. I also will tell you that I am extremely, extremely transparent that I am a mom and I am a mom first. And I always, always encourage my owners to tell me, to tell your clients, you know, hey, I need to take this call real quick because this is my child getting off the bus and I just need to make sure that they're safe inside. I will always be okay with that. There is in the year, in the year 2023, there is no human being that will not, that will say to you, you can't take that phone call. What are you talking about? Because that's not the type of person I want to do business with. Right. So if you have made the decision to be in business for yourself, because it's important to you to be with your kids, then you need to say that. And you need to say that out loud, not hide behind it. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to go to the baseball field and, you know, do your work on this side, but but stand strong in that conviction because I think that it will it will win you more than you're in fear of losing. Absolutely. And a lot of times that uh when we start off especially, 
I mean, and, and even employees. Uh, well, look, let's be honest. We, people go into entrepreneurship because as an employee, they feel that like they got run over. Yeah. And how, what ends up happening is you get into entrepreneurship and realize that you just get run over by a different person. Yeah. So where I'm going with this is that that at some point in time, we realize we need these boundaries. And when we knew, you know, how do you set up your boundaries? Like, how did you discover what they were? I mean, and sometimes you kind of innately know it. Um, but how did you make sure that your boundaries were clear and and, and is there any uh, sort of exceptions? Um, you know, I think I kind of, I, I tell people that I'm a recovering people pleaser, <laughs> um, meaning that I still have a really hard time with boundaries um, unless you've bumped up against one that is hard and fast for me, which I don't really know that I have a whole ton that are hard, super hard and fast. You know, I, I wanna see other people succeed. Somebody helped me succeed in life. And so I do a lot to reach out and, reach back. And unless you're completely unrealistic or you're being a real jerk, there's probably going to be a ton of flexibility in how I approach other people. But again, that's that emotional intelligence piece coming out. That's the willingness to help and willingness to serve. Not for free. Like, don't get me wrong here. Like, we are not, we are not here to, you know, just dole it out and not a not profit or anything along those lines. But that we have a very serve forward mentality here. We do a ton of work in schools. We do a ton of work with young people. Um, I think some of the best learning that we get is from our younger generation. So if you bump up against a boundary with me, then you probably like you. I watched you take advantage of another person. And so I'm going to be the bigger person in most likelihood. But yeah, you know, I just, as cliche as it sounds, like, don't be a jerk, just be kind, and I'll probably do whatever I can to help you. Absolutely love that. I'm going to get into a couple more questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Oh, geez. All right, let's do it. All right. All right. Second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? Uh, how do I know I've had a success? That is a fantastic question. Um, I think I know that I have had a successful day when somebody has reached out and said that they won because of something we did. Oh, I love that. Yeah. You know, I, I always, yeah, I always tell people like, I don't want to know when your day is bad because we have on-demand coaching here. So you can pick up the phone and call a coach at any time here. We call it on-demand coaching, but please call me and tell me when you did something good too. And when we get phone calls like that, that's usually when, when we're doing our best. Love it. All right. Last but not least before the lightning round is going to be anybody watching this and wants to reach out to you and wants to find out more, where would they go? Mm. Okay. So you can go to our website, oxygencoachinggroup.com. If you would like to try one of the bliss calculators for free, that's going to be under our hiring and retention tab. Uh, and you can like I said, take the challenge. If you think you know what it costs you to hire a role, write it down first, then try the free calculator and see how many commas off you are. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Question one of the lightning round, which is just a few questions that are going to be a little bit more on the personal side of you. So question number one, favorite food and why? Uh, strawberries. And they just always have been. Like, it's just one of my things. Awesome. All right. Favorite travel destination and why? Oh, um, I, my favorite place ever is Paris. I went with my older brother, his senior year in college, my senior year in high school. Uh, I was fluent at the time and I'm trying desperately to be back 
affluent again. Favorite place I have yet to be would be Greece. Interesting. Awesome. Favorite book or podcast and or podcast. Oh, other than yours? Other than mine, of course. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Touche. Um, I am a huge fan of the Ed Milet show. Oh, yes. I love that. that. a ton of positivity out yep out in the world and you can listen to it with your kids in the room um my my other favorite one would be the oxygen podcast which you can get uh on our youtube channel fantastic all right and here's gonna be the winning question okay. if you were given unlimited amount of money but you had 48 hours to spend it what you spend you get to keep what you don't spend gets taken away what would you do um Wow. Um, I most likely would, um, I would take care of all of my kids' education debt. Um, and then I would probably end up buying a very tropical island. Ooh, I like that one. All right. Would I be invited to this tropical island? Amen. It's an island. Like, bring it on. All the people. All right. All the people. All right. Let's get her going. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Kat, it has been an awesome show. I want to say thank you so much. No problem. Thank you for having me. This is great. I, I love the unique questions and I just, this is a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. If you liked what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show.